Welcome to the Bold Goal Crusher podcast for anyone looking to stop letting life get in the way and start crushing bold goals. I'm your host, Sarah Mayer, and I'm thrilled to navigate this journey with you because it's time to start boldly achieving without working double time. So let's dive in. Hello, Bold Goal Crushers. I'm super excited about today's episode and my guest. We are going to have a great conversation today. I think you're going to find that she's a real firecracker and has a lot going on. So without further ado, let me introduce you to my guest, Alicia Butler-Pierre. She is on a quest to revolutionize the way small businesses operate. And she does that by speaking, coaching, writing, lecturing, and podcasting. She's the founder and CEO of Equilibria Incorporated and the best-selling author of Beyond the Facade, the world's first published book on business infrastructure. She hosts the weekly business infrastructure podcast, which ranks in the world's top 2%. This is going to be a great conversation. And she's also an adjunct instructor of Lean Principles at Purdue University and Operations Management at Nichols College. This is what I find very interesting in her bio. A chemical engineer, you heard that right, a chemical engineer turned entrepreneur. She's advised, designed, and optimized processes for organizations including Coca-Cola, Shell Oil, the Library of Congress, and the Home Depot. I am so excited about this conversation. Alicia, welcome to the show. Sarah, thank you so much. Um, as, as I was listening to you, I'm like, is that me? She's describing. <laughs> thank you. I'm so honored to be here with you today. I love it. And yeah, I think so many times when we hear ourselves introduced, we're like, wow. I've really done a lot over my short life. And I think sometimes we don't always pat ourselves on the back for everything we've accomplished. We're on to the next as busy women. So true. And sometimes I have to remind myself to stop and Mm -hmm. smell the roses. Yes, exactly. So let's talk about this chemical engineer turned entrepreneur. (laughs) How did this happen? (laughs) How did that happen? Well, After I graduated from college, I worked as a, so chemical engineers, we typically, if we, if we work in industry, we Mm -hmm. typically work as what's called process engineers or design engineers. And so I happened to do both, but it was when I worked as a process engineer, I was working at Monsanto. So Mm -hmm. for those who are familiar with Monsanto, yes, I was making poison. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I hated it. I was there for for several years, but it didn't take me long, Sarah, to realize I did not want to be in a chemical plant or an oil refinery for the rest of my career. It's it's grimy, gritty work. You're you're Mm -hmm. literally in the trenches. And I enjoyed the the work that I did, but I didn't like the actual environment, Mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, And it wasn't until Well, during that time, I realized I didn't understand business. I had no clue about business. And there were different accountants who would come and present these reports to us. And it was like they were speaking Greek, talking Mm -hmm. about profit and 
liabilities and assets and equity and all of these these terms and I was just I was lost because I only knew the technical yeah. the technical work of engineering right and I didn't have an appreciation for how changes in the marketplace and and changes in demand customer demand how that the impact that that had on our day-to-day production schedules so that was when I decided to go back to business school so I was mm. working full-time during the day going to business school at night. And eventually I left Monsanto, started working for a small family-owned engineering consulting firm. And that opened my eyes. Not Mm. only the business education opening my eyes up to the world of commerce, but, but being in such a different environment, going from something that was highly bureaucratic, political, um, siloed, to being in a smaller company, where you didn't have time, there was no there was no ladder to climb. It was a family-owned business, so mm-hmm. unless unless you were part of the family, you probably weren't going to be promoted. Yeah, <laughs> you were gonna, only going to be promoted so high up. But but it was great because Sarah, I had I had a greater opportunity to be introduced to all other aspects of the business. Yeah, so getting a taste of what what was going on in HR, sales, marketing, and seeing how everything was interconnected. And I was living in New Orleans and I just had this feeling that I had to get out of there quick, fast, in a hurry, couldn't explain it to anyone. And I remember finishing up my MBA December, 2004, by the following January, 2005, I I put my house up on the market to sell, it sold within a week. I relocated to Atlanta, Georgia, where I knew one person. (laughs) That's a bold move. Yeah. Talk about bold, right? Yeah. Um, well, you know, bold and I had goals. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but what's, what's interesting, the reason I, I tell that part of the story is because six months later, Hurricane Katrina happened. Mm. And so um, I was just so glad that I listened to that inner voice. I listened to that intuitive nudge because I had a good thing going Yeah. when I, when I was in New Orleans and I, I gave it all up in pursuit of really the unknown. Yeah, it was scary. It was very bold to your point. And when I came here, I thought I was going to get a job, Sarah, because I (laughs) just had my MBA. Yeah, but that didn't happen. So I started a business. So that's how I made that transition from working as an engineer to becoming an entrepreneur. And I I never looked back Mm. once I started my business. I love that. And I love that you like took that big bull move. What, what, um, I, I don't like divine intervention or whatever yes, that got you out indeed, of there. Yeah, indeed. So truly, because, yeah. you know, sometimes I think it happens to many of us. We, we yeah. have these, these gut feelings, these mm-hmm. intuitive thoughts, and it just won't go away. Yeah. And, and sometimes we can, well, we choose to either ignore it mm-hmm. or we, we, address it. And we, we listen to that inner voice. We listen to that gut feeling that it, that intuitive thought. Yeah. And thankfully I did. Yeah. Um, but, but I have to tell you it and, and everyone who's listening right now, I didn't know what the future mm-hmm. held. I didn't, I didn't even know what was on the other side. I just knew that I needed to get out and that if I didn't get out, it would somehow be detrimental yeah. in more ways than one. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you moved across country to a place you knew one person. How did you pick that place? Like, so interestingly enough, um, Atlanta was just one of those cities, I think, because Mm -hmm. 
there's there's so many corporations that are headquartered here. So I liked I liked that aspect of it. Yeah. I actually, believe it or not, Sarah, I actually wanted to move to New York. Oh, I wanted to go. That to takes New money. <laughs> oh, yes. And uh-huh. a completely different change in lifestyle. Yeah. Um, going from a city known as the Big Easy, going to the Big Apple. Yeah. Two totally different environments. New York, as we all know, is incredibly fast paced, but it mm-hmm. took me going to. So when when I was in graduate school, uh, the, the name of the, the business school at Tulane University is called the A.B. Freeman School of Business. So they do an event every year called Freeman Days in New York. And it's basically like a one big field trip where they arrange with alumni who work in different organizations throughout uh, throughout. Usually it was throughout Manhattan to be uh, to be specific. And that's when the reality, I Mm -hmm. I attended in 2004, fall 2004, that's when the reality of living and working Mm -hmm. in New York really hit me. And I was like, you know what? I'll just continue to visit. Yeah. (laughs) It's a much different pace. (laughs) I want to be able to live and live comfortably. Yeah. Um, And I was not going to be able to do that without having a roommate and, and all of those things. And at that point in my life, I hadn't, I had not had a roommate in years. Yeah. Um, so it was just going to be such a fundamental change mm-hmm. in my lifestyle. And I was like, yeah, you know, still a great place to visit, um, but I don't think I, I can live here. And so I just I just chose Atlanta. That was choice. Good choice. Two. Yeah. So a funny story. I digress a little bit, but it's kind of a it's a good one. So I moved from Chicago to uh well, Statesboro, Georgia. So like very, very small town. And I was working as an intern for, this was for my master's degree. And I was working as an intern with fraternity and sorority life. And so it's a different pace in Georgia than it is in Chicago. (laughs) Very different. And my like boss, I guess she was my boss, but I wasn't getting paid. So it seems weird to call her my boss, but, um, She's like, I need you to go to lunch with these ladies who to talk about sorority housing. I'm like, sure. Okay. And I left at like 1130 to get there at 12. And in my head, I was like, oh, I'll be, I will be back for sure by one (laughs) o'clock. And you're chuckling because you know what happened. And so I am not kidding. By 3.30, I still hadn't even left this, like, restaurant. And I was, like, so on edge. And so afterwards, I, like, get back. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I've been gone so long. I didn't mean to be gone. She's like, I didn't even think you were going to come back today. I was like, what? (laughs) She's like, I thought that you would just leave from there and go home. I was like... (laughs) No, I I went to lunch. She's like, oh, that is a whole day thing for those ladies. And then one of the ladies called me and they were, you know, they're retired. They're older. And um, one of the ladies called me and she was like, I know this was your first lunch. How did it go? (laughs) I was like, it was it was good. It was a little long. She's like, I'm from Detroit. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And she's like, let me clue you in. It is an all afternoon thing. And they, she's like, I play a little game in my head, which now you can play with me. 
of how long will it take before the first person opens the menu? She's like, the record is an hour and a half. I'm like, they sit there talking for an hour and a half before they even order. She's like, that's the current record. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So that is not Atlanta. Um. (laughs) (laughs) It was like totally (laughs) mind blowing to me. I was like, okay, this is a whole different pace. And then I moved to Florida and that was like a beach time. They were, they were even uh, less fast paced. Anyway, I, I digress, but it was really a culture shock too, because I realized for, for me in Chicago, like lunch was like the thing you did to get back to work. Whereas Mm. in that, in that town, lunch was the event. Interesting. Very yeah, interesting. It was the event. So <laughs> you, you might have bit uh you might have bit the bullet a little bit going to New York, saved yourself some. <laughs> you would have been running around like chicken with your head cut off. Exactly. Anyway. So you moved to Atlanta, you started your own business. What was your first business? It was Equilibria, the company that I have. Oh now, wow, but, but good was, for you! But it was different, Sarah. It was. Oh yeah. It was actually a professional organizing business. Oh okay. Because um, so what happened? I when I started when I first moved here, I was thinking, well, who wouldn't hire me? Right, the arrogance yeah. of me to think that I was just the most employable person on the planet at that time, but that yeah. did not happen, and so. After about two months of what seemed to be endless, soulless job searching, I decided for the same amount of time, effort, and energy that I'm putting into looking mm-hmm. for a J-O-B, yeah. working for someone else, well, why don't I kind of just start my own thing? Yeah. And it just so happened, Sarah, at the time, I was reading different books, articles, watching documentaries, all of these things that were basically communicating the same message. And that message is we're all born and blessed with natural skills, talents, and abilities. But mm. somehow over the years through a process of quote unquote education, we're really being mm-hmm. taught and groomed to work for someone else mm-hmm. and to not capitalize on what we're naturally very good at. The things that really do bring us joy, the things yeah. that we can do for hours and hours on end, and it won't even seem like work. Yeah. So I started through a process of introspection, started thinking, well, what is that thing for me? And for mm-hmm. me, it was organizing. So I started thinking about every job I ever had up to that point, whether I was flipping burgers as a teenager or working in a plant as an engineer. Yeah. I, I, I succeeded at what I did, not because I was the smartest person in the room, but because I was really organized. Yeah. And I just did, a, I remember doing a search online and discovered there was this organization called NAPO, the National Association of Professional Organizers, who knew such an organization existed. Yeah. I, think, I think maybe a year or two later, these different organizing shows started coming up on TV, like Porters and, and um, yeah. like these before and after extreme situations where people go from a state of chaos to order. And that was how I started my company. I remember making some business cards on my little inkjet printer. I went to an office depot and bought the little Avery business card. Pack. And we all start out that way. That's why I'm chuckling because, you know, we all start out that way. People are like, oh my gosh, your company, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, we all started out printing business cards on our printers. 
And I wish I could tell you that I had this carefully crafted, well thought out plan, but I didn't. I just, I just started networking. I started going to different events, different chamber of commerce type events and places where other business people were hanging out. And I did a great deal of bartering in the beginning Mm -hmm. because I needed to kind of build a portfolio of before and after pictures and getting those testimonials. And then eventually it over time, it morphed and evolved into what it is today. So it shifted from organizing to business infrastructure. Yeah. And I love that story because it shows that you don't have to have it all figured out to get started. That's exactly right. And and even when we think we do have it all figured out, right, yeah. Sarah, we, we, it's not until we actually get out there boots on the ground that we realize, oh, yeah. wait a minute. I thought it would be this way, but, but the market is telling me something else. Mm -hmm. And I don't care how much research you might do ahead of the, ahead of the fact at the end of the day, it's always your customers who tell you exactly what they want, how they want it. Yeah. And sometimes they see things in you that maybe you didn't see in yourself as well. So, so true. Yeah. So true. Yeah. So you went from organizing to business infrastructure, and then now you're the host of your own podcast, mm-hmm. which ranks in the top 2%. How did that come about? So things were starting to get stale in business. Mm. And December 2017, Sarah, I was thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I, something was missing in business. And I, I at that point, mm-hmm. I thought I had done everything I could do. Mm-hmm. Kind of was reaching a stalemate across, in the, uh, you know, I was at a crossroads. And there was a digital marketing consultant who, whose newsletter list I had been on for years. Mm-hmm. But then one day, you know, sometimes it's, it's funny, you can be on these lists for a long mm-hmm. time. And then one day they, they just happen to, to write about that one thing or say that one thing that really hits home. And I decided to contact him. He was mm-hmm. in Detroit. <laughs> you mentioned Detroit earlier. Yeah. And we started working together December 2017. By the following January of 2018, he was like, you need to write a book. And I was like, mm-hmm. I can't write a book. I'm not an author. No. But he was like, you can and you will. I and love it. I, I started that process. Well, Uh as I was writing the book, I started to become very disenchanted with the process. I had no appreciation Mm -hmm. for just how long it would take. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, as me, I was expressing my frustration to this marketing, digital marketing coach one day. And he said, well, maybe you should also start a podcast. I was like, a podcast? Mm -hmm. I can't host, again, I can't host a podcast. They see things in you that you don't see in yourself. Uh You can and you will. And I started thinking about it. So I'm a Toastmaster. Oh, I am as well. Oh, yay. Yeah. Don't you agree that to to me, Toastmasters has, Mm -hmm. I would say, and this is no, by no means an exaggeration from a professional development standpoint, it is one of the most important Mm -hmm. organizations I've ever joined. I agree. Yeah, it's 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 relatively inexpensive, you know, in comparison yeah. to other professional organizations that are out there. But 
you get so much out of it. Yeah. And I I started the podcast, Sarah, in uh, June of 2018. So it's coming up on five years. And truthfully, it was like a spaghetti, throwing spaghetti on the wall kind of approach and seeing what would stick. So this digital marketing coach suggested this book. He suggested this podcast. I was like, okay, I'll try it. But uh, yeah. I don't know. But here we are almost five mm-hmm. years later, still going with the podcast. And as you know, it's a lot of work, mm-hmm. but it truly breathed new life into my business. I love it. Yeah. And now to be in the top 2%, that is just a incredible <sighs> You totally crushed that, whether it was a goal or not. <laughs> it was not a goal. I didn't even know that was a thing until yeah. a couple of years ago. It's if you mm-hmm. go to listennotes.com and you can just yeah. type in the name of a show and it'll it'll tell you the ranking. And that's when I was like, oh, wow. So now mm-hmm. that I know that number, now that I know that metric, of course, you always want to try to improve, right? Yeah. So, um, and, and that's part of, that's that's an extension of what I do with my clients. We talk a lot about processes mm-hmm. and metrics and how to really always kind of raise the bar, continuously yeah. improve. And so that's that's what we've been doing. I love it. And I love that you were able to marry your training from being an engineer into business but in a, in a way that really fits what you're designed to do. Absolutely. And it, it feels good, Sarah. Yeah. That's, I think that's so important to, to stress to your listeners. It, mm-hmm. it feels good. It feels natural. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I have to stop myself from working sometimes. That's great. As, as you know, we can, you yeah. know, when you're passionate about something, you can just keep going, but but mm-hmm. I do have to remind myself, stop, stop, yeah. smell the roses. Okay. Yeah. Don't forget to eat. You know, it's <laughs> time to go to sleep. You do need yeah. sleep. Um, so I'm trying to get better at those things. Yeah. When you get in that flow, it's, you know, you're in the zone. You're kind of effortless as well. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I think one of the things that I've heard from some of my listeners and clients is that, and, and your story is a true testament to this, that they have done something for so long or been told that they, they should be this. And it's hard for them to make maybe not a 180, but a hard right turn or a hard left turn into something else. Cause they feel like they've spent so much time doing this. And I think there's some, um, I don't know if they, I don't know the right word, but I think they feel like they're not successful if they change direction. Ah, got it. So yeah. I can tell you to to kind of speak to that. One of the things yeah. that I'm being pushed to do that I have resisted, mm-hmm. but as you said, as you brilliantly said, sometimes people see things in you that you don't mm-hmm. see in yourself. And if enough people start telling you the same thing, yeah. you might want to pay attention. But I hate being on, like, for me right now, being on, on video with you is, yeah. uh, I am definitely out of my comfort zone. I don't like being on video. I don't like having my picture taken, but my team keeps telling me, mm-hmm. get on camera more, get on yeah. video, show your face, show up. And I'm yeah. like, no, I don't want to. This has to be right. This has to be, pr- I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on lighting and, and this, that, and hair and makeup. And they're like, who cares? Nobody cares. Yeah. 
No one cares. Um, <laughs> Actually, I think they like it better when you just show up how you are. Exactly. Because you're authentic, right? Yep. Um, but because then they feel better, like, oh, my house looks like that too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but for me, it's because it's it's such a stretch for me personally, because yeah. it's forcing me to be out of my comfort zone. And and to speak exactly to what you were just saying, I've I've been behind the camera for so mm-hmm. long that to be in front of it is um it's it's forcing me again to do something that I'm uncomfortable with but I but it's part of my personal development and growth yeah yeah and I think that oftentimes when people see things in you they're also looking for the courage to do it for themselves as well mm. isn't that something Mm-hmm. I'm telling you what you should do, even though I'm not doing it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know, like I, you should go write a book. <laughs> it's like, have you written a book? No, but you should. <laughs> no, but you're perfect for that. <laughs> but you know, so many goals are like that. You know, we, when we really set out to do the big, bold things, as you've probably heard me talk about in the show, there are people out there. I mean, there are very few things that haven't already been done. And there are people out there that have already done it. Yet many times when we set out to do that thing, we're like, I can't do this. I no way I could do this. And we get into this whole thing. And it's like, but there are lots of people who've figured all those things out. And once we get past that little valley of where we're at, the gap from where we're at and where we're trying to go, I call that quitters valley. But once we get past that, we're like, oh, I, I mean, let me tell you how to rank in a podcast. Let me tell you this website. Like all of a sudden we're like the pros, but it's that valley that we have to get through in order to actually come out the other side and feel successful. Indeed. And I, I have heard you talk about, you know, it's funny because when I first started listening to your show and I would hear you say, you know, there's all, there's other people who've already done this. And I, I started thinking about the expression, yeah. there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's, it, it's, it's, it's very much in alignment with, with what you say. And there's, there's a book, if I may mention by Seth Godin, um, you're probably familiar with it called the dip. Mm-hmm. So it talks yeah. about that very thing. What you, what you're referring to as quitters Valley, which I love. By the way. You <laughs> should write a book about that. Seth. Oh, there you go. See, now it's on the podcast. Seriously. I've actually thought about writing a book. <laughs> Seriously, you should write a book about that. So the, his book is, it's a really thin book. You could easily read it in a day, but it talks about the fact that just at that moment where we're ready to give up, like, oh, this mm-hmm. doesn't work. If we could just push through, if we could get through that quitter's valley mm-hmm. on the other side of that is you know, that's where the treasure is. That's where the the pot of gold is on the other side of that rainbow, Mm -hmm. but we just have to keep going. And it's, it's tough when you're looking at your YouTube channel, for example, and you're not getting the subscribers, you're not getting the views, Mm -hmm. or you may not be getting the downloads or whatever, whatever your metrics are. And you, but yet you're, you're consistently putting out the content or you're consistently doing whatever it is that you're doing. It can be incredibly discouraging, but just keep going because a lot of times we, we do quit too early. Yeah. Um, now I will admit, I sometimes don't know when, when to, when to quit. Yeah. When I probably should quit something. So, um, 
it would be great to hear your perspective on that because I, I definitely have, I think the exact opposite problem, like I'll keep going and it's yeah. like, okay, Alicia, you've done this for two years now and yeah, it's not getting you where you need to go. Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting topic too, because one of the, I work with a lot of people who have goals and the number one thing I'll ask them is where's your goal plan? And I already know the answer to that. Like they'll have five notebooks full of to-do lists and like an Asana board and all this stuff. And it's got, sometimes it's got stuff on there, like, you know, do the laundry. It's like, I just thought that was a given. I don't put that on my to-do list every week, but they don't have a focused goal plan. And what they also don't have are results and measures that they're tracking to to see what they've tried, whether or not it's working or not, you know, because you can do the same thing over and over. And you know this from engineering, you know, and if you're not getting any making any progress, that is the definition of insanity. But if you're trying different things, then you can then go back into a goal document and say, well, I tried this, I tried this, I tried that. And it gives you kind of that roadmap of what have you tried and what's work, what is working and, and not working because many times it's not the big thing that's not working. It's these little things that with a little tweak will change the outcome. I love that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And that should go in your book. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here. Here you go. That's right. <laughs> like I'm yeah. already envisioning a, a worksheet with your yep. goal plan and how you you start. Yeah. I I already see it for you, Sarah. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Well, and that's the hardest part, I think, because people feel like they have to have the whole thing figured out from beginning to end. You've written a book, you know, there are a lot of steps to go from actually writing the book to publishing the book, to selling the book, to promoting the book. And if you actually saw all those steps on a document before you started, you probably would still be sitting here saying, I can't do that. That is true. That is a fact. Yeah. But now that you've done it, you're telling other people to write books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it can be such a game changer for you. And Mm -hmm. I've heard some people say, oh, I use my book as, as a, you know, as a more expensive business card, or it could be gifted to other people. It can, it's been leveraged in so many ways. And so Mm -hmm. the book and the podcast combined, I would say those two things really, really help turn things around in my company. Yeah. Because the other thing, if I may um, mention about, about writing a book, as well as even doing a podcast is that it's giving you the opportunity to take all of this knowledge that you've gained over the years and put it into a format that can easily be shared with other people on a massive level, on a massive scale. Whereas when I was doing consulting, that's very transactional one-on-one. But when I I have a book and, Mm -hmm. you know, there could be hundreds of people who could be sent to that book at the same time, potentially, and still be able to be able to have access to the information, access to the knowledge. Yeah. Now. You took a lot of leaps of faith that I envisioned took a lot of courage. What 
advice do you give to people who have something else on their heart, but it is a hard left turn. It's different than they've been doing their whole life. What words of advice would you give them to find the courage to do that? I would say, if you can just start small, just do like a little pilot of something. Yeah. For example, I know for many people, the thought of leaving their nine to five job or whatever their regular job is, it's scary. I get it. Yeah. You, know, you, you might have a family that you have to support. I totally understand that. But maybe you could start something as a side hustle. Just yeah. start dabbling in it a little bit. Introduce yourself to, you know, how to get a website up and running, how to whatever, whether it's you have a, an actual yeah. product or a service. To start experimenting, but again, do it on a very, very small scale so that you don't get overwhelmed. Yeah, and just see how that goes. I um, love it. Just, just yeah, just start small, and that's that's a concept that I really learned from software developers that I know. This this idea of coming up with an MVP, a minimum viable product. Yeah, like you don't mm. you don't have to you don't have to, and and you've you've said this also, Sarah. You don't have to have the whole thing. Yeah. Just maybe a piece of it. Put it out there in the marketplace. See if people see if people will take the bait. And if they do, then you can start to continuously improve, mm-hmm. make other changes. I mean, think about it. How many times have we purchased something, especially software, and it's riddled with bugs? And we still love it. And we still <laughs> love it. We still buy it. And then they come out with version 2.0 and then 3.0. I mean, then we start convincing our friends (laughs) (laughs) and it happens with, with apps, right? Apps that we download onto our phones. There's constantly updates. Yeah. In other words, it's never perfect, but they get something out there. See Mm -hmm. if, if there's anybody else out there that would actually want it and would want to try it. And then, like you said, it all it takes is for people to start liking it and telling their other friends, and then it has that viral effect. Mm-hmm. And then before you know it, you will have to quit that regular job that you have and pursue your business full time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. So I love this conversation. If somebody is listening and they want to connect with you, how could they uh, connect with you? And then what could they expect? The best way to connect with me personally is probably through LinkedIn. So just look for me, Alicia Butler Pierre. I'm happy to connect. We can certainly start messaging each other there. If you want to go to my website, it's eqbsystems.com. We are actually there. There you can see the podcast. You can see information about the book. But if you also want to know a little bit more about business infrastructure, especially for those who are listening right now and might have kind of a chaotic situation going on because you have more business yeah. than you can handle. We have an online course that we just launched. Ooh, I love so it. So you can go there again, eqbsystems.com and you'll see where you can link to the course. And uh, yeah, so we're, we're just doing whatever we can now, Sarah, to really get information to the masses. And the online yeah. course is our latest extension of that yeah. effort. You know, and that goes back to whatever you're trying to do. Somebody else has already done something very similar. And sometimes you need to just create that learning plan. And that's what I love about courses because you can learn from other people. And then part of the learning plan, you need to also have an implementation plan. So where you go out and implement what you just learned. So definitely check out that course because I know many of you have quitting your nine to five on your list. 
and many of you have started businesses and you maybe have created something that you left in your nine to five. So it's a good time to take a look at your business and say, is this the business that I really dreamed of that gives me that freedom that I'm looking for? Or have I basically just created something that's another more than nine to five job? So definitely check out all of Alicia's stuff on business infrastructure, because that can be the key to ensuring that you have a business that you love. Thank you so much, Sarah. Yeah. Thank you for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you. All right, everyone. It's time to get out there and crush your bold goals and everything that gets in the way so you don't have to work double time. So let's get to it. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold Goal Crusher podcast, where we crush goals and everything that gets in the way. I always love to support my community. So feel free to text the word goal to 480-530-5368. Again, 480-530-5368 and the word goal. And then tell me all about your goals and dreams. Thanks for tuning in. I look forward to seeing you crush your goals this year.